Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, October 22nd, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is the Rev, Taylor Schwenk. I'm Buster only working from my home in New York. All right, today we have two game sixes. Tonight, excuse me, all right, we've got two game sixes going forward. Tonight in Houston, the Red Sox and the Astros in the American League Championship Series. Game six, Houston leading 3-2. Yesterday was a workout day for both teams down in Houston, and Alex Cora talked about the experience of game 162 that the Red Sox had, the wild card game, and how that might fuel them in this elimination game against the Astros. You can say all the cliches, right? One pitch at a time, one play at a time, one inning at a time, one game at a time, one day at a time. It doesn't matter. You, you name it, we have them. So, uh just a matter of going out there and uh, play a good baseball game tomorrow and then play another good baseball game in two days. Here's Astros manager Dusty Baker. You just play. You know, you let them play. You don't put any extra pressure on them. Um, you know, like you, you probably have a little shorter lease than you ordinarily would, you know, on whoever's pitching, unless it's like one of your top dogs or unless, you know, you got – Cy Young candidate or something. I mean, you know, like you probably just have a little, you know, a little short leash and just let them play. The guy starting for the Astros today, Luis Garcia, who of course had to come out earlier in the series because of a knee issue. He talked about his excitement of starting game six. I'm really happy. I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I want to I wanna do it good. I want to go tomorrow and compete. And that's what I want. My knees doing really good right now. I feel really good like normal and and you know some adjustment like mechanic and nothing something like big i gotta tell you taylor that uh, a lot of times when we get to this time of year and i hear a player say oh that injury i had five days ago no problem i feel great i'm like uh-huh sure <laughs> <laughs> just a slight mechanical change no big deal don't worry astros fans Oh, my goodness. Nathan Evaldi starts for the Red Sox, and he talked about his own confidence. I'm extremely confident, you know. I mean, everybody's a little frustrated with the way we've been playing lately. We know that's not the way we are capable of playing, and, you know, we know where we're at in the standings and where we're at, uh, you know, everything that's on the line for this game. You know, it's do or die. You either lose or you go, or you either win or you go home. So nobody's ready to go home right now, and uh, we're going to be ready to go tomorrow. Another uh, member of Aaron Boone's coaching staff in 2021 has moved on. Reggie Willits, their first base coach, uh, is going to uh, go on to coach as a volunteer assistant for Oklahoma's college baseball program. In Los Angeles last night, game five of the series between the Braves and the Dodgers, the Dodgers needing a win just to stay alive in this series. And in the top of the first inning, it didn't look good. Joe Kelly on the mound for the Dodgers. The 2-0. Swing and a ball drilled out towards right center field. That one's back there on its way. It's gone. Freddie Freeman, a two-run homer into the pavilion in right center field. And just like that, the Braves jump out front two to nothing. That was the legend Boog Shambi on ESPN Radio. The Dodgers, however, would come back. Drilled left field. That one back. That's on its way, and that is gone. And Pollock crushes one into the pavilion in left field. And the Dodgers get a run back. It's 2-1. And Chris Taylor would have himself a night for the Dodgers. 
And the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball. Left field, way back, and you can't forget it. Chris Taylor unloads. And that quickly, the Dodgers have taken the lead. It is 3-2. A blast to left by Taylor, and Dodger Stadium has come to life. The pitch. Swing and a little flare out into center field. Fall in, fall in, base hit. In to score is Pollock. Taylor with an RBI single. And it's 4-2. Swing and a ball drilled center field. Duvall back. Turning, looking, out of here. Chris Taylor having a night. Into the pavilion to the right of the batter's eye. And Chris Taylor touches them all again. He's knocked in five. And it is 6-2 Dodgers. The 2-2. Swing and a high fly ball out towards left center field. On its way, he's done it again. Third homer of the night for Chris Taylor. He's knocked in six. And it's all Dodgers, seven to two. As he circles the bases, what a game for Chris Taylor. What a game for Chris Taylor. What a game for the Dodgers. They went 11 to two and they force a game six, which will be played Saturday in Atlanta, the five homers by the Dodgers tied the franchise record for a playoff game. The other game was also against the Braves in the 2020 NLCS. The Dodgers are the third team in postseason history to hit five homers in an elimination game. Uh, joining the Padres 2020, uh, the Athletics in 2020 in the ALDS. The Dodgers had 17 hits uh, in the game. It's a franchise record for a playoff game. They've won seven straight elimination games, the third longest streak in postseason history. After the game, Alan Gonzalez spoke with Chris Taylor, who had just an amazing game for the Dodgers. Chris, you just put together one of the most impressive postseason performances in baseball history. What led to that? I don't know. You know, I was just uh, just one at bat at a time, um, you know, not trying to do too much, honestly, and things worked out. That eighth inning at bat, you guys were up big. Nobody's ever hit four home runs in a postseason game. Were you searching for that one? Uh, no, I can't think hit homers. You know, for me, it's always I'm trying to hit line drives, and uh, the homers just happen by accident. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty good. I was just trying to hit a ball hard. He made a good pitch that change up down and in. It's, uh, it's a tough one to lay off. And Chris, this offense has had some up and down nights this postseason. Is there anything from tonight that you guys can draw from that could help you moving forward? Uh, you know, I think we're just tr going to try to build on the momentum. You know, uh, we go to Atlanta, we got an off day tomorrow, so we're going to relax a little bit. But, you know, it's good to get the bats going, and hopefully we can uh, feed off that. Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, talked about his players. I expected our guys to fight and, and scratch and claw, and I thought we did that. And uh, it, it's going to be a crazy uh, environment in Atlanta. We know that. I like the guys. We're going to be running out there, and we just got to go out there and play to win one game. So our backs are against the wall, and I don't expect to let down. Max Fried got hit hard in his start for the Braves, and Brian Snicker talked about the left-hander. You know, we just scored the two runs, which we knew was going to – these bullpen games are tough, and, and um, we knew it was going to be, you know, after a while, it just kind of got out of control, obviously. But um, I think the big thing just – I think if Max was sharp, and, you know, we are hoping that he could extend the game. I, honestly, I was hoping he'd go at least seven innings where we were after the bullpen game and it didn't work out that way. In 2020, the Braves had a 3-1 lead in the National League Championship Series against the Dodgers. 
and they blew that lead. And Freddie Freeman, who's effectively the Braves captain, is aware of the narrative. I mean, that's going to be the narrative, it seems, because every day it's brought up the last couple of days. So I don't think we have a choice until we kill that narrative. Um, we're up 3-2 and we're going home. Uh, it's a great position to be in. There was bad news for the Dodgers. Joe Kelly is out for the rest of the postseason because of a tricep issue. He started as an opener for the Dodgers in game five. Taylor, what do you got? Buster, a bunch of things. First of all, you can listen to all those postseason games on ESPN Radio tonight, Friday. Tune in at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time for Red Sox at Astros. Tomorrow, Dodgers at Braves. Tune in at 4.30 Eastern time. This email I'm looking at has military time, so it's testing me here, Buster. Uh, Fun thing you could also listen to, Tennessee at Alabama. That is on ESPN Radio's air. That is at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, and then I don't know how they do this, Buster. This is the magic of of radio and whatnot, but Dodgers at Braves, 7.30 p.m. Tune in time for that uh, on Saturday as well, uh, and then Dodgers at Braves, Game 7 if necessary, 7 p.m. Tune in time for that. NBA Today, that is on ESPN weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern time, 12 Pacific, and if you're looking for a podcast other than the Baseball Tonight podcast, might I direct you? Baldman on campus, college basketball right around the corner. The guys have gone through and previewed the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, and mm, I produce the show, and I cannot remember the fourth conference we preview. So good producing by me, but check that out wherever you get your podcast if you're so inclined. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com Buster. Just go to Indeed.com Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All aboard. It's the Rabby Train with Carl Rabbit. Where's the Rabby Train this morning, Carl? 
Rami train is parked on the uh, Connecticut shoreline waiting for its next ticket. We have to figure out where we're actually going on Monday, whether it's uh, Houston or Los Angeles or perhaps even a drive, uh, you know, up 95 to Boston. So we, we, we got to wait to see that, but the train is currently in the station, uh, waiting for the next uh, show tonight at around eight o'clock. Nice. Yeah. It'll, uh, should be a, should be a good weekend of baseball because we get the game six tonight. Uh, Red Sox are playing against the Astros, and on uh, Saturday night, game six, Dodgers against the Atlanta Braves. Last night, Chris Taylor had a huge night, and in some respects, I, I know the Dodgers, you know, are often cast as uh, you know the team that spends the most. They have the biggest stars, and that's all true. But I've always felt like Chris Taylor embodies a really underrated part of what the Dodgers do, and that is to find undervalued players and help make them better. Yeah, at its core, I mean, that, that is that is what they do. You know, we, we've talked a lot about Kike Hernandez. Kike Hernandez was expendable to some degree because Chris Taylor, you know, is perceived to be better than he was and more versatile. Um you know, you, you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Astros, you look at the Red Sox, you look at the Rays. The, the, the common thread for me is athleticism. Mookie Betts is a tremendous athlete, but Taylor is is athletic. He's versatile. You look at some of these other station-to-station home run strikeout teams, and they don't have as many of those guys. And you, you could argue, certainly during periods of time this year, Taylor on a team that has Seager and Muncie and Turner and Betts, et cetera, you know, was as valuable a player and as good a hitter as any of them. And, you know, last night was just the blossoming for one night. And Look, he could go 0 for 6 the rest of the series. But that last night was was the Virginia Cavaliers night. And, uh, you know, he's he's a baseball guy. He, he, he's pretty low key. There's not a lot to him. You know, he's he likes baseball. He likes likes surfing. And, and like Larry Bird way back in the day, he likes his beer. <laughs> I was reading that yesterday. Who was it? AJ Pollock, his teammate, was talking about that uh, in terms of things that he likes. He's going to be a free agent in the fall. Chris Taylor, uh, I'm going to be asking Paul and Bikini's coming up about what uh, Taylor's going to make in free agency. My guess when I think about him in the marketplace, uh, my instinct is something in the range of Ben Zobris type money 56 million, maybe $60 million. I know somebody might bring up a DJ LeMahieu who got 96 million last winter. Um, you, you mentioned the importance of Taylor to the Dodgers. I think there's a, there's a more than 50, 50 chance that, uh, Corey Seager moves on to another team. Got any yeah. gut feel just off the top of your head of what you think Chris Taylor might wind up with in free agency? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't know if the 60 refers to a four-year deal. I figure between 15 and 18 million because he, you know, a lot of times with guys like Chris and, and I'm not, and, and they can also kind of cross over that threshold between being the utility guy who, when played every day, occasionally gets exposed or they do play every day and they flourish because they haven't been in an everyday role. I'd probably put him more in the latter category. I, I do like him every day. I don't think he's going to be as consistent a producer as somebody like a, you know, a Betts or a Seeger, but those are superstar players, but he's, he's not far, in my opinion, far below and immensely valuable to an organization. I mean, we, we, we saw the three homers. We also, you know, got to remember he played third base last night because Justin Turner is unavailable. So he just let's, you know, plug and play. And that's a, that's a tremendously valuable asset. And to some extent on the other coast, you're seeing TK Hernandez become a gold glove caliber center fielder. Who's, you know, as as good a second baseman as the Red Sox have. 
So Taylor's that guy. There, there's clearly a place for athleticism, speed, can steal a base, field any position, and obviously come up with big hits and, and clutch hits and, and kind of turn the brain off in the moment and not worry about what the stage is and where our backs are, et cetera. So we saw the Dodgers uh, down 3-1 to going into last night's game. They, they blow out the Braves. It's now 3-2. And, of course, as Freddie Freeman said, the Braves are going to have to kill off the narrative of the, of the Braves being unable to knock off the Dodgers who win elimination game after elimination game after elimination game. For you, does this year feel different than last year? Dodgers trying to come back against the Braves are about the same. I would say, I, I would say honestly, and I asked this of Tim and Xavier Scruggs last night. I mean, look, I don't play for either of these teams, but it certainly is in my mind. Like, wait a minute, this is this is going to happen again. Like Max Fried on the mound, this was either the reverse lock game because they can't lose, but because they can't lose, they're going to lose. So it's a, it's the old reverse lock. Um, or yeah, there, there's there's a little something to it, and <laughs> there have been organizations, Red Sox, Cubs. Um, who, who've lived with that for centuries, let alone for, let alone for a short period of time, and eventually they exercised, you know, those demons. The, the Braves certainly have the ability to do it. They're going back home, but yeah, it, it's it's in the back of your head. I think to me, what I would what I would try to objectively look at the idea that you have Max Scherzer and Walker Bueller on the mound feels like you, you're in a really good position. But nothing about being in a good position in 2021's postseason has led to a positive result. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's gone the other way. You know, bullpen game, we win. Uh, best starter second half, we lose. Max Scherzer, multiple Cy Young winner, we lose. You know, Walker Bueller, rested, we lose instead of automatic wins. So that's that's where I'd go in the, the most unpredictable postseason has played out right in front of our eyes. So while it fe feels like Scherzer and Bueller's a really good position to be in, gosh, how many teams have been in really good positions this postseason and it hasn't gone their way? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I do what you're saying about the, the Dodgers. I do believe uh, experience becomes a weapon. There's no doubt about it. I witnessed this firsthand. I never, you know, 2001, uh, for the Yankees, they had won three straight World Series. They'd been in the postseason every year. They played in so many big games. They faced in the first round of the playoffs that year, Oakland, which was a better team than the Yankees. There's no doubt about it. And the Yankees found a way to win that series, the Jeter flip, et cetera. Then they moved on to the American League Championship Series against the Seattle Mariners, who won 116 games in the regular season. They were clearly, Seattle was a better team that year, and the Yankees blew them out. I think it was in five games. Then they go to the World Series, and I think you would agree with me, Arizona dominated about 98% of that World Series, yep. <laughs> and yet yep. the Yankees carried a lead into the bottom of the ninth inning of Game 7 before losing, and I, I felt all along that that experience played a big role in them even being in that position. Look, I, I agree 100%. There, there's, there's no question about it that the, the, the only way to overcome these things or at least get them out of your head is to experience them. So you you try not to, but this concept, like <laughs> the, the the mental side of it, I, I don't 
I don't think that the psyche, because the, the, the players are different, and, and we've we've used this example before, and certainly when the Red Sox broke the curse or the Cubs broke the curse, many of them hadn't participated in postseasons with that organization prior. And, and it's very easy to look at and say, well, wait a minute, I wasn't part of that. Like I, there, there is something bigger than, than the history in the past as it relates to these types of streaks, and that's that's the fact that we've never experienced it. So you can talk all you want about the the sort of fragility of Atlanta. Forget Braves, but Atlanta sports folks. Welcome to the club of of cities that have struggled uh, with with winning Super Bowls or NBA titles or World Series. There's many, uh, but many of them get over it. Uh, this is just the this is the perfect storm of. Golly, we just had this experience last year, um, but my gosh, uh, were those were those new four outfielders with Atlanta last year? Like, what what impact does that have on them? Ian Anderson, I, I just, I'm sorry, I don't think Ian Anderson is going to look back and be like, yeah, I, I remember this feeling, and I'm going to walk into this haunted house, and I'm going to get scared again when somebody peeks out from behind the uh, the closet door. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't go there. But sure, it is at least in the back of the sports fan's mind. We've seen this play before, you know, pretty good play. We've seen it, but I'm wondering, can we get a different ending? We'll see. Uh, Nathan Avaldi pitching for the Red Sox tonight in game six. What's your sense of what's going to happen? Astros, Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea because, <laughs> again, 2021 has not allowed us to have any idea. My, no, my, Carl, would my, you agree with me? I thought for sure after game three, Houston was dead. Like their rotation was just ravaged by injury. They weren't performing very well. They got blown out in two and three. I never would have guessed that they'd be a game away from winning the uh, the series in game six. Look, Buster, both of these series, the Dod- the Dodgers were dead. The Astros were dead. The, the, the reason the Dodgers and their fans should have some hope is that Max Scherzer should have plenty of hope. Max Scherzer wasn't great his last time that he started. He wasn't good the last time when he said, my arm is dead. Framber Valdez was brutal in his first start. Framber Valdez was Sandy Koufax in his next start. So (laughs) again, the the unpredictability of, well, I I don't think he's feeling good or he doesn't have it. Uh, Chris Taylor's not hitting well. He just hit three home runs. So, Nathan Navaldi has looked great. Nathan Navaldi just did what Scherzer did and pitched in relief, which I don't quite understand, but he he pitched in relief. So does that mean he's going to be tired and suck in his next start, or is he going to be great? The, the, all of those unknowns continue to kind of resurface, and, and when you think you have your head around it, it tends to go the other way. And and just can we just digress for one second on the manager's use of starters? When you watched last night's game and Joe Kelly came out and they paraded in, you know the names, but Vesia was great. But but even beyond that, you got into Bruce Dar Gratterall, and then you got into Blake Trinan, and then you got into Kenley Jansen. Um every single Corey Kniebel, every single one of them was unhittable. So uh, on what level, what, what is the analytic number that says I need to press the Scherzer button here and not the Trinan button or not the Knable button or, right. you know, what you, you, somebody ha- would have to explain that to me because when you looked at Joe Kelly, when he came out of the game, you, you did say to yourself, 
okay, they're up two zip. The, the, the Braves are going to win this game. And then you realized after watching all four or five of those guys, when they went, you know, what is it? Eight and the third, nine strikeouts, no walks. And by the way, the, the next two words are no chance. There, there was no chance that the Braves were going to hit any of those guys. What, what is the metric that says, what is the page in the booklet? What is the thinking of the front office or manager or pitching coach that says, you know what, Scherzer, you know what, Ivaldi. And, and in the Dodgers case, my God, they have four closers in that bullpen. It doesn't mean it's going to work every night, but when it's right, holy smokes, that, that was unhittable. For the remainder of the game when Kelly came out, unhittable. All right, I need your help with some of the Bleacher tweets today. Some of them are related, as you'll hear, to the conversation I had with Sarah Langs yesterday about the looming changes with the electronic strike zone and the rules uh, working against this parade of relievers that we've seen since the, the Rays introduced the opener of May in 2018. Elizabeth Hart asks, which will happen first, Carl? Automated strike zone implemented in the majors or the Dodgers lose an elimination game in the postseason. <laughs> uh, wow. That's a good question. Only because I, I'd say the Dodgers are going to lose the, the, the strike zones coming and it should come. And this notion that if the strike zone comes, we're watching a video game. Okay. Well then baseball is going to win because the popularity of video games far outweighs the popularity of generally any professional sport. So sure, if you can make it look like a video game and you can have that box up on the screen and you can see somebody hit it uh, and you know it's a strike, then you win. And the, the idea that we're taking away the human element, oh, God, uh, I'm glad we removed the human element from things like uh, flying Dennis. and air traffic safety. Uh, I'm good with that. Um, in this case, as I've as I've said before on the podcast and elsewhere, uh, if it's a strike, it's a strike. I, I can't stand the idea that because the pitcher doesn't hit the catcher's glove, even though it's in the strike zone, it's a ball somehow. That's garbage. I, I could leave my glove on home plate. If it's in the box, it could hit me in the chest. It should still be a strike. Just because it doesn't hit my glove doesn't mean it's not a strike. So I'd say that I'd say the Dodgers lose an elimination game, but the strike zone, the automatic strike zone is coming. What year? Uh, just one word. Give me one uh, one word. What year does it happen? What's your guess? Uh, 2024. Okay. I think it's going to be 2023. We, uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Louisville Slugger writes in, love the idea of having the DH spot tied with the starting pitcher. Perfect hybrid of AL and NL ball. Do you think that'll make DH only guys obsolete and how will that affect the market for upcoming free agents like Nelson Cruz and Kyle Schwarber? Hey, Carl, I talked about yesterday that, uh, you know, one of the, the uh, elements of trying to curb this use of parade of relievers is that they're going to tie the DH to the starting pitcher so that when the starting pitcher comes out, the teams will lose that DH. So do you think that'll affect the market for guys like Nelson Cruz and Kyle Schwarber? I don't think so. Cause I think there'll be teams that'll value those at bats, whether they're three or four plate appearances. Um, I, look, I, I hope I, I don't want that. I, I think the DH, especially when it goes universal is, is a vital part of this. I mean, it, it, I thought the goal was to generate more offense. If we're going to tie it to the pitcher and the pitcher comes out and you lose the DH, well then aren't you, aren't you, aren't you kind of cutting off your legs there? You, you, you want more offense. You want more balls in play. I understand you want to limit the number of pitchers that are being used, but we want to see 
we want to see balls in play and, and balls hit. So to eliminate the DH when we just made it a universal DH and tie it to the pitcher doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. I, I think those guys are are going to be hugely valuable assets. And, and I hope that we encourage offense in the game at the same time, you know, if we, we limit rosters and number of pitchers on each team, that's fine. Maybe they stay in the game longer. Um, and look, the bullpenning that we just discussed works in the postseason, especially with off days, it doesn't work in the regular season. So the idea that when we witness it work, we're going to then eliminate or dilute starting pitchers. That's a false narrative too. You, you need starting pitchers, you need depth and, um, the Rays may be the greatest example of that next year when we see that they have three or four great starting pitchers and their idea of openers and bullpenning probably gets shelved for a year or two. Don Irvine uh, poses this question. Is Dusty Baker out managing Alex Corn? If the Astros win it, will it be redemption for Baker and his managerial stuff? For the record, Carl, yesterday I talked about how I did feel like in real time I was surprised that Alex Cora left uh, Chris Salen to face uh, Jordan Alvarez in game five. What do you think? Well, I was surprised after, cause I was there and I was sitting in, you know, probably 11 rows back, had a really fortunate uh, seat that night, right behind home plate and watching Chris uh, throw 98, 99 to get through the fifth inning. Like the, I, I thought that's it. Like we're done. Like he's done. We, 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 we sort of see, seen a new level of sale. He, he had to get guys out. He fired the, the ball as hard as he has thrown it since he's come back from surgery. Okay. We, we literally just, just ran on empty and we pulled into the gas station and you know what? We, we didn't get to the pump. We're not going to be filled back up. So the Alvarez part of it. Sure. I, I didn't understand that. I do understand it's Chris Sale, and you're going to go tell Chris Sale or take him out before he gets a chance to face Jordan Alvarez. That's a that's a difficult call. It's a call you should be able to make. But Alex has made a living kind of yep. trusting his gut. It's worked really well. I was shocked he came out after the fifth inning, let alone to deal with the, the Alvarez at bat. But that was deep into that inning. I, I, I thought he, was, he did such a good job, and you always want to leave a guy with a positive feeling take him out and maybe if he had the Dodgers bullpen at his disposal that would have happened and maybe he doesn't feel great about his bullpen last one uh WC shows 23 wrote in this morning ESPN and MLB want the Dodgers and Astros to play against each other in the World Series so badly that's why the umpires are trying hard to help make that happen it's so obvious so I asked uh, this is my question off of that Carl, who's giving the marching orders to the umpires in their strike zone? Is it me or is it you or Hembo? I can't keep up with uh, which one of us is telling umpires what to do with their strike zones. No, I forgot. I thought Bob Nightingale was appointed for this <laughs> month. So I think I, th- I think he's the one that's doing that this month. I thought I thought you had next <laughs> May and I think I'm on the schedule for next July. Um Unfortunately, the, the conspiracy theory thing has so many holes in it. It's not worth spending a great deal of time on. But we don't we don't carry the World Series, so we don't particularly care who's in it per se as a, as a company. But the notion that that all media folks can conspire on anything um, <laughs> is, is so is so blind. It's it's just not worth addressing. Yeah, we, none of us can agree on what sandwich we want for lunch. No, let alone on who we want to see in the World Series. And the idea, Carl, of you or I telling Joe West what his strike zone is going to be. <laughs> 
And in fact, I, I recall Buster on this podcast when we went into the World Series, we, we made predictions and I took the Astros, the Dodgers, and you took the Braves and the Red Sox. Yep. <laughs> so so I, I, I'm confused as to the conspiracy theory. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. All right, Rabbi. Well, have a great day. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. I'll see you. Bye-bye. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Jumping into the numbers. numbers. This is Himbo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Himbo, of course, is Paul Ambikidi. He's a researcher at ESPN who is Mike Greenberg's sidekick on the radio show. He has not quite taken over the desk and get up, but that uh, those are his plans. <laughs> uh, Himbo, before we get into the baseball of the day, I got to ask you, have you ever seen the movie Road Work? Because before we got started today, Taylor and I were talking about movies we've seen, and he was like, what's your favorite movie of all time? And I said, I don't know if it's my favorite movie of all time, but I've probably seen this one movie 120 times or so. And that would be Road Warrior. So I need to know, have you ever seen Road Warrior? I have never seen Road Warrior, Buster. What year did that come out? I believe it was 1980. uh, And Mel Gibson should have won an Oscar for this scene alone. Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? That's right. Emotion all over the place there. I've, I've tried to redo that for my kids. I just can't bring myself to the pure brilliance of Mel Gibson in that moment. What'd you think? I mean, I think that you're really showing your age here, Buster. I, I was born in the year 1990. We do this all the time on the radio. Greeny asked me if I've seen a uh, seen a movie or heard a song. It's invariably from long before I was born. I always say no. He makes fun of me for it. Like, is this something that needs to be on my short list of things that I have to have seen? Or is it? Th- is this disqualify as something that you like a lot? Like, is this on me or is this on you? No, I think you should watch it. Just don't watch it with your wife, okay? Because if you watch it, if you make a point of watching it with your wife, she's going to look at you weird at the end of the movie and say, you wanted to see this movie? No? <laughs> okay. I will. So I, no, I it's, it's a long by myself. It's a little bit in the Scarface realm, okay? It's probably a little bit too much blood and guts and stuff and going on. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah, it's not like a good movie to come home to after a nice candlelight Italian dinner is what you're saying? No, uh, no, <laughs> I, then I, I think she would, uh, you know, serve papers on you after that. That's uh, <laughs> fair enough. Well, that might happen anyway, but we'll, we'll do, we'll do road yeah, warrior. Well, I can, I can speak to that firsthand. So that definitely. 
<laughs> Too soon. Uh, so let's talk about Chris Taylor. Big night last night. Uh, three home runs. He's now 31 years old. What's your guess on the deal that he gets in free agency this fall? Because I have a specific set of numbers in mind. Interesting. I, I think the number could approach $100 million, believe it or not. Um, something in the neighborhood of four to five years at something approaching $20 million a year. It might sound crazy for a player yeah, buster. Who it has, does. I'm just going to tell you right now, that sounds crazy. Okay. Keep going. Tell me why. Well, I mean, the reason I feel this way is because even though we have sort of viewed him as you know a super utility player of sorts for the Dodgers, the production has been not extraordinary, but the production has been excellent for the role in which he has occupied. I mean, this season alone, Buster, he played six different positions, at least 50 innings. And he's been essentially, a, you know, over the last five years, a, a constant contributor to that team with about 15 wins above replacement and OPS plus of 115. I, I don't think it's out of the question that a team that swings and misses on Chris Bryant couldn't get 75 or 80 percent of Chris Bryant with Chris Taylor. Now, I, I'm of the opinion that Chris Bryant is going to command a contract well over $200 million. Again, maybe no I'm uh, sort of no on the high way. side. Yeah. We, we, we got to get each other on the record here then. I'm going to say Chris Bryant, I'm going to set that number at $200 million as our over-under. And for Chris Taylor, I'm going to set that number as $100 million. You're going to take the under on both of those numbers. Absolutely. You, and you're going to lose both. It's not even going to be close. Well, you tell got me why. It, you got us locked in, Taylor? Noted. It's on the board. So okay. Tell me why I'm wrong. I, tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I think Chris Taylor gets, and here's why. First off, he's 31 years old. Okay, teams are not paying players at that age as much as they have in the past. I think the number is going to be closer to what Ben Zobrist got with the Cubs. I think it's going to be that four for 56, four for 60 range, something in there. Here's what would concern me if I were a team. One of the questions I would ask, as you know, he does unbelievable damage against fastballs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, at that age, if he gets any sort of regression, he becomes a very different player when it comes to handling uh, high velocity. Uh, there's no question about that. And there's also a you know reasonably a significant platoon split. I mean, obviously, he mashes left-handed pitching, and he's about a league average hitter against righties. But I think you're overlooking one thing, Buster, and that is the extraordinary value that a player that can play across the field provides with a plus bat. Maybe... Right. Maybe the $20 million a year that I'm sort of projecting out might only happen if he's willing to accept something like a three-year contract. So maybe that would make your sort of total value a little bit more uh, closer than, than what I think. But Chris Taylor has proven to be an extremely valuable player across the board for them in both ways. And when you look at this you know, shortstop market, which is so filled up, I, I'm not so sure that a team might not identify him as someone who could try and play there. He obviously has not you know, quite been a league average performer there. And with Seager and Turner, there's no reason for them to even play him there now, obviously. But I'm not so convinced that that there's going to be at least one team around the league that views him as a lot closer to Chris Bryant than maybe, you know, the public would, for example. I think he's going to approach $100 million. I think you're right in terms of approaching what Chris Bryant gets, but I don't think Chris Bryant uh, sniffs $200 million. Okay, uh, fair enough. Fair we'll, enough. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, one thing to watch in tonight's game six, Red Sox against the Astros. Yeah, I mean, how much how much length does Alex Cora get out of his starting pitching? Because that, that is, to me, overwhelmingly the biggest storyline here, Buster, because so far in five games this series, Boston has outscored their opponent by 19 runs in the first three innings. They've gotten out like game busters, obviously. But the Astros are plus 17 after the fifth. That's, that's sort of the pendulum swing of this series. And Alex Cora, had, we had discussed this a week ago, has had extraordinary success in the playoffs in managing his bullpens. Entering this series, his bullpen ERA as a postseason manager was 2.8. It's nearly seven in this series. And we knew the Red Sox had had all sorts of issues on the back end, but 
He did so well against Tampa and obviously managed the game against the Yankees in the wild. But to me, that's the, 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 the overwhelming storyline here. If the, if, the, if the Red Sox can't build something like a two or three run lead halfway through that game, they're not going to win. Because this, this Houston Astros lineup buster is unlike any I've seen in recent years. They are so incredibly deep and so incredibly relentless. Carlos Correa is a Hall of Fame talent. He's hitting fifth for this team. They're ridiculously good and at home against that Red Sox bullpen. That game is, if the Red Sox aren't leading by two or three runs once we hit the sixth, that game is over. Houston's going to win. All right. So uh, we talked in the podcast yesterday with Sarah about the anti-bullpen games. And I use, use that phrase because you know, they talked about the parade of relievers and how people in baseball can't stand it. And that there are almost certainly rules forthcoming to try to begin to curb the use of relievers and to incentivize the use of starting pitchers. What do you got on that? Well, my goodness. I don't, where do we begin? So I've been working on this little project for you. And I'll, what I'll do is at least provide you a couple of the notes that I think are most interesting and illuminating how we got to this point, I guess, for lack of a better term. So right now, throughout the postseason, starting pitchers are averaging 12 outs per start. 12. They're averaging four innings per start, which not surprisingly would be the lowest mark in any postseason in major league history. And that's obviously felt when you're watching the game. So come as no surprise, but it's not just the postseason where you've seen this sort of manifest buster, only 39 pitchers, 39 in a 30 team league qualified for the ERA title this year, wow. 39 pitchers through enough innings to qualify for the ERA title that just 10 years ago, 2011, that number was 94. Buster, the, the Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays won 100 games this year without a single pitcher that qualified for the ERA title. Maybe we need to you know, change how we, <laughs> how we decide what that, how that's calculated. But the point remains the same. And there is absolutely no question whatsoever that teams have changed the way that they pay players as well. If you look at about, like, so about five years ago, if, if we're just going to sort of look at these things uh, and as they progress, starting pitchers commanded this year in payroll about – 200 million fewer dollars than they did five years ago. And as you're sort of projecting things, these things forward now with the next collective bargaining agreement, I would have to imagine it has to be a priority here because the starting pitcher has been so devalued that when you're watching playoff games, who starts almost doesn't matter. And league wide over the course of the last five years, there have been a massive decrease in how much you're willing to pay them too. So that who knows exactly how much that will factor into the, these discussions, obviously, baseball is going to have to conquer a lot of these issues. But those are a couple of numbers that especially stood out to me. A decade ago, uh, 39 starting pitchers reached the 200-inning benchmark. 39, right? Mm. Uh, this year, four. Uh, four? Four <laughs> oh reached 200 or more <laughs> innings. And it's amazing how quickly this has changed because the opener that was used by the Tampa Bay Rays May 19th, 2018, little more than three years ago. And yet mm-hmm. now we have all these bullpen games. All right. Uh, we also talked about the forthcoming electronic strike zone. I don't know if it's going to be next year or the year after that, but it's coming, Hembo. What do you think? Well, I'm, I view it as inevitable like you do, but I'm wary. I'm wary of this. And the reason for it is because I just have to ask myself, like, in what ways have, have technology and information made baseball obviously better? Not smarter, but better. Because I grew up, long before I was a baseball researcher, I grew up in enjoying the beauty of baseball's subjectivity and the nuance and, and the art. There is no beauty in, in the electronic strike zone or the, the, the stat cast stuff, the black and white, the science. And so perhaps if it can be proven to me that this will make the game objectively better, 
then I'm all in. But I personally don't mind the sort of push and pull between the old school and the new school when it comes to these debates and continuing to have them. I don't think it's that bad of a thing for baseball. What I do think is bad for baseball is that in its most important games, when everything is obviously when everything obviously matters most, that so much of the conversation is being dominated by, for example, the strike zone of Las Diaz. Like that's not yeah. what we want. We we like the first question I should be asked the day after an awesome for, uh, baseball game is not what did you think about that strike ball call? And now like all the, all the networks using the K zone, which I personally don't like, but everyone uses them. And so it's an inevitable part of the conversation. We have brilliant players. We have, they're as talented as they've ever been. But if you just sort of, if you just sort of take uh, inventory buster of the conversations that have dominated baseball over the last month, very few of them have anything to do with that. It's always this other crap. It's always this other stuff. So if the electronic strike zone works and it can be proven that it will make the game better and not just continue to add to baseball sort of inter- information subterfuge, I'll be in. But consider me as something of a skeptic there as someone who, unlike most of my statistical brethren, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, as you know. It's just too much of a variable, you know, and I that I always mm-hmm. go back. I, I covered for the New York Times the 1997 game with Eric Gregg, uh, basically empowering <laughs> the left-handed strike zone, far different than the right-handed strike zone. Mm-hmm. Ron Hernandez, to his great credit, recognized that with his catcher, Charles Johnson, set a strikeout record because they took advantage of it. And you go back and look at some of those pitches. It was ridiculous. <laughs> we, it, the umpire should not be available or excuse me, a variable from game to game. All right, before we go, I'm going to let you hear it one more time. Oscar worthy. Here's Mel Gibson. Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. Hembo, you on board with me? About giving him an Oscar. I mean, even I think he should lifetime achievement award something. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna have to watch the movie, not with my wife, not after an Italian candlelight dinner. I will yeah. let you know how it goes, uh, and I'll get back to you. But just please, I mean, I'm 31. Taylor's even younger than me. Some some less dated references would be helpful moving forward. <laughs> yes, watch <laughs> it at eight o'clock before your wife has even started to wake up. Because she knows you watch this movie, she's going to be like, oh, my God, what's who's the psycho that I married? All right. Then. Thank you. Later, boys. Get out of here, Hembo. Sick of Hembo. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for Friday. Jeremiah Avis Roos. Apologies on the, the pronunciation there, Jeremiah. But he writes in, do you think the Atlanta case study, many cheaper good players instead of one expensive great player, has an impact on the offseason. No, Jeremiah, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because I think that what happened with the Braves this year was an outlier situation. Uh, what happened behind the scenes was is that following the pandemic and the, you know, the empty ballpark last year, uh, Liberty held down the payroll for the team. Uh, they made them cut payroll, which is why they didn't re-sign Adam Duvall and they didn't make some of those moves. Then um, the ballpark opened in Atlanta. Uh, the Braves uh, among the had among the highest uh, uh, attendance uh, figures in baseball. Their place was absolutely filled. Fans flocked back. And then we got to July and then Liberty gave the front office the flexibility to go out and add all those moves. And I just don't think that situation is going to be replicated where, uh, you know, the team suddenly is going to have a ton of money available because of the pandemic. Um, so I don't think it's something that they'll uh, they'll use going forward. Last one for today, we've got Ernesto Cedillo at 
Urn YC377. Uh, Buster, Rev Bev, I cannot believe the Giants almost left San Francisco today. They're one of the most profitable franchises in the league and have arguably the best fan base as well. They show up whether they're rebuilding or winning 107 games. Nice little shout yeah. out to Todd there with, with his uh, forgotten franchises. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. Todd, uh, you know, and I think you agree. Todd, Todd just did an amazing job all year with those forgotten franchises. And, you know, we're t- I know you were talking yesterday probably about trying to do something where you put those together. Yeah, we've had people talk about them, you know, doing that before um, a little bit last season as well. But I think the forgotten franchises really lend themselves to their own contained episodes. So we'll try and chop those up uh, in the holiday season. So you have a little something extra to listen to as you, uh, you travel around and, uh, and visit family and friends. So that does it for bleacher tweets for today. Hashtag bleacher tweets on Twitter, and please follow rate and review this podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, enjoy the games. Everyone. We'll see you Monday. And we had a lot of bleacher tweets today. That's it for today. My thanks to the rev to Ravi to Hembo. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.